0: My name is Tiana Coleman. I'm one of the pastors here at Missio Day Uptown, and I am glad to be with you all today. If you have been following along with where we are in Luke, I'm actually gonna be jumping ahead to chapter 17. A lot of the Missio Day pastors, the other locations, or maybe I should say three. Well, that is a lot out of five uh, decided to go with chapter 17. And so in that rare moment of peer pressure, I was like, Hey, I'm gonna do that too. If you have information, send it my way. I think one person sent me a poem that I didn't know where to find. So I did my own research with the help of a friend who often sends me information. So yeah, it didn't totally work to my advantage, but I do love this passage. So glad to preach on it. So we will be reading from Luke 17. Verses 11 through 19, I have 192, so I don't know what happened there, but just through verses 19. It's kind of small, I pulled a Jimmy, but you all can just look really, really close, (laughs) or pull out your phones. (laughs) Love you, Jimmy. (laughs) Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus, Jesus' feet, and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give thanks and praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. This is the word of the Lord. All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your word that is alive, that is active, and that has the ability to penetrate our hearts deeply. I pray today, Lord, that we would be ready and willing to receive your word, and also that we would be ready and willing to praise and worship you. We love you, we thank you for each person present, each person online, we thank you for this congregation and our visitors, and Lord, we just give you this time. May the example of the Samaritan, may the grace and love of Jesus Just uh, be an example to us. We love you. Thanks for your word, amen. We know that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He was going into a village and 10 men who had leprosy met him. So leprosy, let's talk about it. It is a disease mentioned several times in the Bible. What do we know about it? It's a chronic though not highly contagious disease that primarily affects the skin, mucous membranes, and nerves. The term leprosy encompassed a variety of conditions characterized by chronic discolorization of surfaces, including human skin and the walls of houses, as referenced in Leviticus 14, 34 through 57. Persons afflicted with leprosy were regarded as impure, and Leviticus 13, through 46, prescribes exile from the community for those with leprosy. And in some texts, even more comprehensive restrictions were applied to lepers. The sociological implications of Levitical policies, if implemented, were probably significant. Bands of people affected by leprosy roamed outside of the cities. And it didn't matter if you were a person of social standing, If you had leprosy, you were in trouble. You had to just follow the rules like everyone else. Naaman, whose story we find in 2 Kings 5, was commander of the army of the king of Aram, was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Thus, in a lot of ways, changing his status. And he had to submit to the humbling yet healing process of washing himself seven times in the Jordan until his flesh was restored and he was cleansed. Now I read this chapter just to, to be refreshed again. And Naaman had a little attitude <laughs> about this. Elisha said, Here's what you go do. And Naaman's like, excuse me, what? <laughs> we have nicer rivers, better, better water. And I'm going, where? And it's like this, his servants actually said, This is the process. Please just do it. And he did it and of course uh, was healed. Uzziah, king of Judah, who we read of in 2 Chronicles 26. 16 through 21, who was in the temple insisting upon burning incense, even had the censer in his hand when 81 priests told him he could not burn incense. That was not his job, only the priests had this job. And while he was raging at them, leprosy broke out across his forehead. He was banned from the temple, lived in separate housing, his son was in charge of the palace and governed the people, and Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died. And this morning, when I was printing this out, I was just imagining these 80, 81 um, priests, and just how it said that they had to be courageous because Uzziah obviously had a reputation for doing what he wanted to do, and maybe a bit of a temper. And I'm just imagining their eyes as they got closer to him, and you know, this, this disease is just spreading across his forehead, and they're backing up. <laughs> and he's wondering what's going on, <laughs> and then them escorting him out. So, um, not a funny thought, but just you know. In this situation, it's what' we're rebellion and is what caused this. So this disease had the power to ruin lives. It ostracized people from family, friends and society. The priest was fully involved in this process. He determined if a person was clean or unclean, depending on how or if the disease was spreading on the skin. Leviticus 13 is a little too thorough and descriptive. Has anybody read Leviticus 13 recently? Like the hairs and the skin and the, y'all, it's, it's, it was too much. So imagine this though. Imagine having these legions and other things on your skin and you had to describe to people as they're traveling by and as you're with your band of friends that you are unclean Like, just think about that for a second. Like, you have to tell, you have to warn people. Like, there might be this idea that on the outskirts of the village there are these people, but you have to say, unclean, unclean. The humiliation, the shame, the othering was a part of their existence. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. Now, at this point in Jesus' ministry, he has a reputation. He's healing people, he's casting out demons, he's preaching in the synagogues of Judea. When he's in one of these towns, he heals a man with leprosy. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Can you imagine saying that? Like, You you, you can do this. And he reached out his hand and touched the man covered in leprosy. I am willing, be clean. A powerful, powerful story of a diseased man who may have not known touch in years is both touched and healed by a willing Jesus. That's love. He's also eating with sinners. He calls 12 men to join in his ministry. He's telling people to love their enemies, and he's really meaning love your enemies. He's raising people from the dead, and he's telling stories to crowds of people. He's welcoming children to listen, even though many adults are trying to protect Jesus from them. I just have this vision of like kids coming up with their hands full of whatever and the disciples be like, nope, nope, back away. And Jesus is saying, no, let them come. It's okay, let them come. These stories or parables he's telling are relatable and they are filled with hope and challenge and they are resonating with people. So this is the Jesus that these men are hearing about. If I were to use my sanctified imagination regarding these 10 men with leprosy, I would imagine that they are their own little tribe outside of the city. And they just knew that this was their way of life probably until they died, away from family, away from everyday things, away from what they had once enjoyed. Living as outcasts with bodies that were deteriorating, it didn't matter that they once had hopes and dreams or that even the basics of life were no longer afforded to them. They took leftovers and hoped that it would be enough for that day. In my imagination, the the life they once knew was gone. They had the food they could forage, and perhaps food left at a distance by a relative or someone who took pity on them. It wasn't set on a table accompanied with wine and fresh fruit or freshly baked bread, no. Maybe wrapped in a cloth lying on the ground for them to fetch before any animals discovered it and ran off with it. Leprosy left them unclean, unwanted, unloved, or so they might have thought, until they heard of a man with leprosy who lived a few towns over and had been healed by a young rabbi, someone who spoke truth and love and brought healing. I imagine they all prayed that his traveling would lead him to the outskirts of the town where they dwelled. However their story unfolded, Scripture assures us us that they yelled from a distance and Jesus responded. Go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. There is a measure of faith that they must have had to cling to as they walked towards the temple. Their discolored skin returning to its natural color, sores healing, feeling and strength returning to their hands and feet with each step they took. How hopeful is that? Maybe like Naaman's restored skin, theirs became clean like that of a young boy. And then my favorite part of the passage. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. This man was aware of what Jesus had done, and he didn't wait. He came back, right away when he saw that his body was restored. And again, a loud voice is used not to request pity this time, but to give thanks for what God had done. I don't think anyone would have faulted this man if he ran towards home to celebrate with loved ones or even just sat in silence in awe at what had just happened. He was healed. But no, when he realized the gift he had been given, he went back, used his loud voice, I love that that makes it into scripture twice, threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. His thanks was embodied in his actions. In that moment, there was an abandonment of everything else except complete and utter worship and thanksgiving. Can you identify with that moment? Has has that ever been your experience where you endured something difficult or even tragic, and on the other side of it, you were able to worship and give thanks. And he was a Samaritan. The one person who came back to thank Jesus was a Samaritan, a foreigner, someone who would be aware of what one author described as the schism between Jew and Samaritan. The text doesn't say how he ended up with this group of men, yet here he is. Maybe these 10 had a friendly history together and in the situation they were trying to survive together. Or maybe this foreigner was the one that was kept away on, again, on the outskirts of the city and of this group. We don't know. Author Debbie Thomas, whose parents are from India, looks at this through the lens of someone whose parents came as immigrants to America. She writes, on its face our, go- on its face, our gospel story this week is about thankfulness. As he journeys to Jerusalem, Jesus heals 10 lepers and sends them on their way. One returns to Jesus to express his gratitude, and he alone of the 10 expresses the full joy of salvation. Clearly there is something about the practice of thankfulness that enlarges, blesses, and restores us. The leper's lavish display of gratitude and the commendation he receives from Jesus in return demonstrate that we are created to recognize life as a divine gift and to find our salvation at the feet of the giver. But this gospel story is about more than gratitude. It is about the gratitude of a foreigner who receives welcome. It is about identity, about exclusion and inclusion, exile and return. It's a story about the kingdom of God and who is invited, who belongs, and who thrives in the realm where God dwells. What does it mean that in Christ we are all one? What is our ongoing responsibility to the stranger, the alien, the other? What happens to difference at the foot of the cross?" End quote. Thomas' words highlight the salvation, salvation, salvation (laughs) message. A message and invitation that is for everyone. Everyone. In verses 17 and 18 when Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed, Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except a foreigner? There is a question about gratitude as well as questioning those who are not foreign but have been given this great gift and should know better. Yes, their bodies have been healed, but they have also literally been given a new and restored life. So then the foreigner is told, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Jesus invites him into something so much more. He gives him so much more. Debbie Thomas continues with, so when Jesus heals their leprosy, he doesn't merely cure their bodies, he restores their identities. He enables their safe return to all that makes us fully human, family, community, companionship and intimacy. In healing their withered skin and numb limbs, he releases them to feel again to embrace and be embraced, to worship in community, to proclaim all the social and spiritual ties their disease steals from them. In other words, Jesus enters a no man's land, a land of no belonging, and hands out 10 unblemished passports. He invites 10 exiles home. Seen from this angle, the 10th leper's response to Jesus resonates differently. Yes, it's an expression of gratitude for healing, but it's also the expression of deeper and truer belonging. What we see in the Samaritans' full-hearted praise and devotion is the intimate relationship between desperation and faith, between yearning and gratitude, between high stakes and deep love. Ten lepers are healed. But only the one who has nowhere else to go, nothing left to lose, and everything in the world to gain returns to Jesus. Only the one who could take nothing for granted falls in love, I love that. Only the one who longs body and soul to find a home for this whole, for his whole self receives salvation, end quote. I'm quoting Debbie a lot because it's just so good. <laughs> at least i did gonna read you the whole article. And looking at this text, we can pretty quickly see what is being displayed. Asking, receiving love, restoration of bodies, and singular praise and thanksgiving from a foreigner, and then the ultimate gift of salvation. I also read from Debbie Thomas' article, A Foreigner's Praise, which I recommend you read in its entirety, A Foreigner's Praise, pretty easy to remember, which gave a glimpse into the foreigner in this story as well as what it means for all of us to be included in relationship with Jesus. So how does this story sit with you? I'm convinced there is something here for each of us. As I was preparing for today, that was a question I asked myself, and I think the answer was twofold. I consider myself a fairly thankful person. It is really hard for me to be around anyone who is excessively complaining or super negative, that's really hard. So the opposite of that, I believe, is gratitude. However, I can suspend my gratitude when things are hard. And I'm a justifier. Does anybody know what a justifier is? <laughs> Someone who justifies things. <laughs> I don't know if that's eight thing. I don't know what that is, but it's a thing, <laughs> a human thing, a flesh thing. I'm going to be able to justify why gratitude can be suspended or delayed. I am good at this. In First Thessalonians 5:16 through 18, Jesus oh, it says, "Rejoice always. Pray continually." Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I'm gonna read that again, because our room is active. (laughs) Rejoice always, think about that. Pray continually, so that means nonstop. Give thanks in all circumstances. Anybody going through anything hard right now? All circumstances. It's not limited, folks. There's no fine print saying, except for when all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. God wills us to be thankful in all things. It's hard, though. I look at the one who came back to Jesus. He was immediate in his actions. Obviously, we don't negate what is difficult, real heartache, or trying times. It's not a fakie happiness that I'm referring to. It's something deeper. The knowledge that God is good, that he sees me, even when life is overwhelming or uncertain, that he is aware of everything that is going on and he's walking with me. And I'm completely known by him and he loves me still, like he knows all the stuff and he loves me still. The gratitude I'm talking about is seated deep in that knowledge. The other thing that really spoke to me, and this one stood out earlier last week after I read this passage once, God's love is inclusive. Sometimes when I'm reading scripture, I'll get a smirk on my face because I think certain things are written just because he knows we need a little bit of a nudge. That reminder that is written to broken people, and in that, there's a reminder that is written to broken people and that we're exceedingly loved in that little nudge. So when I read, He was a Samaritan, I read it as someone else came back, the other, the outcast, take note and be challenged by that. So he's, he's letting it be known like, it wasn't y'all over here, it was this, this foreigner, this outsider, so notice that. And know that God's love is big enough to include all of us. He's not a God of scarcity, that's our problem. We're scarce in our love, but not God. He is willing to love everyone and invites everyone. So for the next couple of minutes, review this story in your mind and ask what is it you want God for me to hear today and live into going forward? Is it about gratitude? Is it about how God sees you, that this message of inclusion is for you? Or perhaps you're being challenged by this foreigner, his example of praise or even the, remainder, the reminder of Jesus as someone who includes. How does the story of the 10 lepers, only what, nine verses in the Bible, but so powerful, How does that hit you in your life, where you're at? Let's take a couple minutes and just sit with that, and then I'll pray for us.